Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. I'm the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and I am the Executive Director of the International Outreach and Disciple-Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. For the last 30 years, we've had ministry expressions in over 70 countries. You can learn more about the effective manner in which we're raising up national evangelists and disciple-makers and church planters by going to traincpe.org. I hope you will. Your prayers and your gifts are used by God to sustain our work. We're in Psalm 32, and here is the account of David's life found in the first eight verses. David has repented of his sins. He has felt the great heartache of his sins. When he had delayed confessing them, when he had tried to cover them up, God had pressed in hard upon his conscience, and David seemed to be drying up from the inside out. But David has stopped deceiving himself. He sees that his sins are real and their problem is too heavy for him to deal with. He has confessed his sins openly to God. He has yielded his hard heart in defeat and surrender to God. He has cried out to God for forgiveness. And now the release and joy of that forgiveness has come sweeping over him. Now his guilt and sin are gone and he discovers that the very God who is moving heavily to convict him moves mightily to forgive him. God has not only come to forgive him, but God has remained with him to secure him, to protect him, to surround him with songs of joy and comfort. And now God promises to guide him all the days of his life. And David's story can be your story as well. It's this verse 8 that I want us to consider, this response from God. In particular, it's the last phrase there regarding the guiding eye of God. I want us to understand what it means when God says, I will guide you with my eyes. You'll note that in the Hebrew, this passage is somewhat difficult to translate or decipher. That's why different translators have translated it different ways. In the NIV, it's translated this way. God is said that, saying to David, I will counsel you and I will watch over you. In the NASB, the New American Standard Version, here's how they translate these words. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. In the King James translation, which I believe most carefully reflects the Hebrew, God simply says, I will guide you with my eye. So there's two possibilities for understanding this passage. I would tell you that they don't contradict one another. They're not in disagreement with one another. They complement one another. So we're going to accept both of these as being meaningful and reflecting something of what God wanted to reveal to us. And the first meaning is this, so you might write it down. We see here that God guides us by giving us counsel, and then He watches over our way to correct and direct and train us in that counsel. God gives us counsel, then He watches over our way to correct and direct and train us in that counsel. This is actually a good way to teach, isn't it? If you were to study pedagogy and what it takes to be a good teacher, my understanding is that a good teacher tells us how to do something, then they show us how to do something, and then they watch over us as we do it ourselves. And... God here is doing the same thing, but He's not just practicing good pedagogy. He's not just being a good educator. God is being something more here. He's acting with a deep interest upon our lives. This is less a statement that God is a good teacher as that God is a good parent, and He's watching over us. It speaks to His deep and direct personal interest in each individual life, watching it and studying it and giving His directions to it. It's a word above everything else of revelation. The revelation of the personhood of God and His personal desire to have a personal relationship with us. 
I recall on one occasion that I was witnessing to one of my neighbors when I lived in Canada. I was sharing with him different elements of the gospel and trying to encourage him, and he was distraught. He had just learned that one of his brothers had been killed in a farming accident. He had known it for a couple of months, and the bitterness of this event had been brewing within him. And finally, as I was speaking about God, he turned to me and said, Who is God? It was kind of an odd moment. I was trying to share with him. I thought he was gathering what I was saying. I thought he was comprehending this idea and this concept of God that we were talking about. Finally turned to me and he said, Who is God? You talk about him as though he's a person. Is he a person? Well, that lended to a much longer conversation with him. I had the same kind of conversation one time when I was in Bolivia. Uh, Usually when you go over to South America, one of the first questions we ask people is, do you believe in God? And the answer is yes. And then we ask them to describe us what they think God is like. And And in South America, you never have a person say, no, do you believe in God? But on this one occasion, I experienced one of those rare moments when a person said, no, I don't believe in God. I don't believe that God exists. I was stunned. You don't believe in God? No. I didn't know what to say, so I said, oh, but there, there is a God. That is not much of an argument, you know. Oh, but there is a God. Maybe it was the right thing to say because a response to me was not just a question but a plea. If there is a God, she said in tears, please tell me, who is God? This led to three separate visits in her home in which we engaged in lengthy conversations about the nature of God and what He was like and what He wanted for her life. My memory doesn't serve me correct to know whether it resulted in her making a decision to give her life to Him. But if I could go back to either one of these individuals now, I'd take them back to this very passage that I just shared with you to illustrate to them what God is like. He is someone who's interested in your life. He's ready to teach you and He's ready to guide you. He's watching over your pathway His eye is upon you and He wants to lovingly direct you. That's who God is. That's who God has revealed Himself to be. You know, if you've had a good father, you'll all remember a time when that good dad taught you how to ride a bicycle. You know, when he got you on the bike and he gave you all the instructions and you practiced and you tried, but then eventually, after you stumbled and fell and as you were wobbling, he caught you again and as you wobbled, he caught you again and eventually you got to the point where you were able to ride around the street. Do you remember it? Not only was there triumph in riding around the street, but it was triumphant in riding in circles around your dad as he watched you riding around the street. This week, I went to a girls' basketball game at the high school, and I immediately reminded me as I went in there, I sat on the other side of the stadium, and the parents were all on the other side of the stadium, sitting, watching their girls playing basketball. And I had the same experience. I know it. My son played basketball at high school level. My daughter did as well. It usually went like this. On the way to the game, I gave them all my instruction. I gave them all my coaching of what they ought to do and how they ought to play so that they get their maximum performance. And then when the game began, I tried to watch the game. I tried to watch the game, but really what I did, I know there were nine other kids out there on the floor, but what I did was I watched my girl playing the game. Everything else was a little bit of a haze around it. And then periodically I tried to catch her with my eyes, you know, because it's, you know, you can't, you have to be careful. You can't shout out too many instructions. You can't particularly overrule her coach but you know, you're catching with her eyes and trying to remind her of what you said. And Well, that's how it is. You instruct your child in something. Parents, you've gone to the soccer game or you've coached them up before they went out to play the soccer game or whatever it is. You've given them their instruction. And then after you've given the instruction and told them what to do, you watch them and you study them. And it doesn't matter what other kind of activity is going around. Your eye is fixed upon them to watch them as they go and 
That's the language here. That's the idea. This is an expression of the intimate love and blessing that comes to us from God. You know the little song that we taught our children, Oh, be careful, little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful with little eyes what you see. Or be careful with little ears what you hear. Or be careful with little lips what you say. I've actually had people say they don't like that song because it's tormenting. You know, be careful with little eyes what you see. <laughs> that is not how the song is to be sung. Little children don't sing it that way or hear it that way at all. What they hear is a song of the eyes of a loving Father who's given instruction to them and now is watching over them. And the performance is a song of security, a song of relationship, a song of delight. It's a song of instruction that's sung to those who are surrounded by the songs of God's own deliverance over their lives. This is what's happening here. Deuteronomy chapter 32, 10 speaks of this intimate relationship of God watching over the people of Israel. There, we read this. Moses said, He found him, speaking of the nation of Israel, in a desert land and in a wasteland, howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. God gathered around him to protect him. It fits the passage perfectly. Gathered around to protect him gave him instruction in this relationship they had, and then as he went out, he kept him as the apple of his eye. He studied him and watched him. Job speaks of this kind of relationship as well. In Job 29, verses 2 through 4, Job says, How I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when His lamp shone upon my head, and by His light I walked through the darkness. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house. Well, Job is going to learn that God's eye is on him at this very moment. He's suffering and he doesn't know it. And God will remind him later, Job, I've been here and I've been watching over you. But this is what Job knows and what Job longs for, the realization of this reality. What does it mean? It means God instructs us. He tells us what we're to do. He watches over us to see how we're doing He's interested in us. What does it mean for us? Well, it means we have to listen. We have to learn. We have to incorporate and act upon these things and then be comforted that He's watching over us to catch us when we falter, to straighten us up as we go along our way so that we do not go astray. That's what we have to remind ourselves of. God guides us by giving us counsel and then He watches over our way to correct and direct and train us. That's the first way that you can take this. Here's the second way. Also, it says, He guides us as well with the language of His eyes. God says, I will guide you with my eyes. That's the most careful, faithful way in which is stated within the Hebrew. People have thought, well, He had to have meant that He guides them by giving them instruction and then He watches them, and possibly true, and I think it is, but no. Here He simply says, I will guide you with my eyes. I think that's the primary meaning here. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you need to deliver a message to someone and you can't say anything to them and all you can do is give them a look? This is what you do with your children when you're having a meal at a guest house and they're misbehaving at the table and you try to guide them with a light. I had the look given to me lots of times, not just for my parents, for my siblings. 
Usually I would say to them, to the weird looks they were giving me, what? What, 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 are you, what are you trying to say to me? In which case, they didn't just guide me with their eyes, but with a foot under the table, you know. I started getting kicked. Why are you kicking me in the shins, you know? It just went from there. But you know the circumstance. When you're trying to give instruction and you can't necessarily say something, but you can guide with your eyes. My mother was an expert at this. She would be in the room with my sister in her arms, uh, rocking her to sleep. You would come into the room playing cowboys and Indians. She couldn't interrupt the song she was singing, so you would be captured by a look. She would try to guide you with it. Actually, my mother didn't just guide me with her eyes. She would change her song. It would be, get out of this room, Joel or I'm going to spank your bottom. <laughs> if you don't put that down now. <laughs> but it started with a look of the eyes. You know, I've got to clear out. Have you ever noticed how little children, they know your instruction when they're infants and toddlers and how they test you by doing something they shouldn't do in your presence, and they look you in the eyes, and they look to see if your eyes will change. By the way, you ever seen when little kids finally are able to draw pictures of their family members or parents that they're this big head with these huge eyes, right? They're looking at the eyes. They're studying your eyes. They're looking to see if maybe they're going to let me get away with this. Wait, hold it. I think they mean business. Wait. God says, little child, and that guide you with my eyes. So we are the apple of God's eye. We're in the center of His view and we find ourselves when we look His way. Thanks for listening in today to The Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and The Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work in your community or around the world, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.